you're listening to Art of the Flow. Welcome to Art of the Float, where float centers thrive. This is our weekly podcast that tells our stories of running our float centers, where we love to give tips and advice on starting and running your own float center. And you can find us on Facebook at Art of the Float, on Twitter and Instagram at Art of the Float. And as always, you can leave a message to us by leaving a speak pipe on artofthefloat.com. It's the gold bar on the left side of the screen. If you agree, disagree with anything we talk about on the show, uh, have any questions, anything like that, click on that gold bar, leave a message, and uh, we will share it on air and share any opinions that we have about that or advice that we have uh, to give about uh, your particular situation. Let's see here. Oh, also visit artofthefloat.com to check out any show notes, links, pictures from all the episodes, all of that good stuff as well. I am one of your co-hosts, Dylan Calm. I run the float shop with Sandra Calm in Portland, Oregon. And as always, I'm joined by Amy Grimes of Float Nashville. Hey, y'all. And I'm joined by Lance of the Float Shack in Red Deer, Alberta, Canada. Hello, everyone. And, uh... You know, we have a special guest on. We have Emily Norin on today. And instead of bringing her on later, I just want to introduce her at the moment. Uh, hello, Emily. <laughs> and uh, Emily, you just feel free to chime in about anything here. You go and correct uh, Lance on everything he has to say. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I just felt it made a lot of sense to bring Emily on because she's the, one of the leads at the float shop and uh, basically knows more about the ins and the outs of the float shop than I do at this point. So if we're bringing her on as a guest, we, <laughs> we might as well uh, give her free reign. Uh, let's hear. Oh, a few things. A few things I want to want to talk about first is uh, Lance has a new microphone and a microphone arm and all of that stuff. So hopefully his audio just Hi, got uh, Hi, next leveled here. Uh, I'll be ex- excited to listen to it on the podcast. But really, um, well, actually, Lance, uh, let everybody hear your voice here. This Absolutely, that's why I'm my here. Voice. Damn, that's good. Yes. <laughs> that's smooth. Uh, but uh, the reason I, I, I wanted to mention that is because really we owe it all to you guys. It's very that true. was purchased exclusively with money we have earned through uh, bookmarking Amazon, through Amazon referral links. So thank you, Yay. everybody, <laughs> so much for supporting us by purchasing products through the referral links on our products page. Uh, we are going to be revamping that too. I know we've feel like we've had an explosion of products we uh, have used over the past year that haven't been added there officially. So uh, while we put them on the show notes, they haven't been added to the products page. We'll 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 get to that. We'll get that updated. But the biggest thing that's really helped us out is people bookmarking their Amazon. Uh, um, our homepage. So basically every time you go to the Amazon homepage, it's, it knows that it's the Art of the Float Amazon homepage. doesn't cost you an extra red cent, but just a tiny percentage of every purchase you make goes to help support us, which means we get to increase the quality of our microphones. So yeah. Thanks, guys. This is way this is way better than that pawn shop microphone <laughs> I got a year ago. It came a, came a long ways in a year. Yeah, right? <laughs> and uh, I think that microphone was literally like falling apart. Like it was... Yeah, throughout my travels, as most of you know, if you follow along the podcast, I was going between Red Deer and Edmonton right. every week. So I was driving an hour and a half. I'd be throwing this thing in my backpack, putting it in Pelican cases. It's <laughs> fell downstairs. But uh, yeah, yeah, now I got a new one. So thanks. Love it. Love it. 
Uh, oh, yeah, that was also fun to ship to Canada, of course. That's just like one more. Um, I know people have a trouble trouble getting salt and some other a bunch of products to uh, to Canada. And it was like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is a beast. <laughs> this is this is something. So I'm glad that got there. And hopefully we're sounding better today. So wahoo. Uh, let's see here. Big news. Uh, Amy, I'm going to hand this one over to you. But we got uh, the roundtable discussion coming up uh. here. Uh, Wednesday, October 19th, 5 p.m. We want you to be there. Take it away, Emmy. You know, and that means it's only a, a little over two weeks away. So it's coming up quick. Yeah, yeah. So if you're interested in getting some information on that, we're putting all of that information together and sending it out in a newsletter. So head on over to our website, artofthefloat.com, and sign up for the newsletter. So, you know, I'm super, super excited about this because I'm sure I'm not alone in this. Um, I'm lucky that I get to share every week with Dylan and Lance, but for the most part, you know, you kind of feel like you're going at it alone. You are sitting in your float tank center. Oftentimes there are things going wrong. You don't have a whole lot of support around um, unless you're lucky enough to be in place like Portland where you got quite a few float centers. Um, but most of us are, are alone out there. And I know that's why I look forward to the, to the conference um, because when I go to the conference, um, I walk away full of ideas, I get re-energized, I get motivated, I'm ready to come back. And I'll tell you what, since I got back from the, from the float conference, I don't know about y'all, but my work, my production has increased um, because I'm excited. Yeah. So unfortunately, the conference is only one time a year. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, some of us, we can't always get to the conference um, every year. I know I missed last year. So as we were talking after the conference, uh, it really became apparent that Getting together and being together and sharing information is a really good thing for all of us on a lot of different levels. So this roundtable is going to be an opportunity for us to get together to talk. This, uh, this time we're going to be talking about memberships. Memberships are a great way to increase your bottom line without a whole lot of effort. I wouldn't say it's completely passive, but, but it's a great, um, it can be a great marketing tool and it's a really good thing for both you and your clients. So it's an exciting topic. And we hope that you will be there to join us on the 19th, which is coming up in a little over two weeks. Um, actually, I guess it's exactly two weeks from the time you hear this. And be a part of this great um, opportunity to, to have conversation together, to trade ideas, to learn some new stuff and get excited again and get ready to get out there and kick some butt. Yeah. And Amy, Lance, and I will be bringing uh, some ideas to the show as well, right? It's not just uh, right. relying on everybody else's information. We'll, we'll be bringing a few guns to this show as well. So uh, just just an FYI there. And yeah, Amy, I think you hit, hit it on the head there. I, I don't think I really gave it as much credit as I should have about that excitement part of like how awesome it is to talk to a group of other float centers, like just in itself, how valuable that is. And by all means, this is going to have a very specific, mm -hmm. you know, we're talking about memberships, client retention, but uh, just to be able to spend a few hours with other people who run float centers um, and let it all out there is going to be nice. Yeah. Cool. going to be a lot of value, a lot of resources. We're taking away a lot of resources for sure. I've yeah. seen the notes for this uh, round table. There's some good stuff that's yeah. going to go out there. I'm excited about yeah. it. I'm really excited about it. I know we all are. Um, let's see here. Signups are going to be coming out very shortly after this um, uh, episode is released. But uh, for now, just sign up for our newsletter. And uh, you'll be the first to know how to sign up and registration, all of that stuff, cost, all of the good stuff. 
Let's see. Uh, I want to, <laughs> I know we talk about our weeks. I feel like my ads, my float away ads are just bleeding into reality so much right now. It's, I don't even know how to wrap my head around it, but uh, so this is an ad here <laughs> is the, for float away. Um, it float away in UK. They make the tranquility float tank, which I recently, which the float shop recently purchased. And it showed up today. It showed up today, and it's a really big deal because uh, um, this we we wanted it quite quite a while ago. And if I can just give a little piece of advice to anybody, who, um, it doesn't matter who you're buying your float tank from. If you're getting it shipped, um, be sure to really talk to the shipping companies about what kind of product it is, um, or what kind of bo- not not necessarily the product so much as. Do you have a forklift at your business? Do you have a ramp? You know, just some really basic things that even if you told person A about that, it's going to be person W who's delivering it. And I would just make sure every step of the way they know what's going on. I would say I was unimpressed by delivery companies and I've, I've dealt with them a few times and uh, just make sure that they know what's uh, going on. I've digressed too far. That wasn't part a of large... that at all. <laughs> Yeah. A large thing there is if you do not have a loading dock or a uh-huh. forklift, if you're ordering a shipping truck, ask for a lift gate with a pallet jack. Yes. That yes, that's great for be salt. Able to do that. Not great for a float tank, which is like two, two pallets put together. Um, they needed a forklift with an extender on it. Yeah. Uh, uh, Anyway, what I mean to say is Floataway is a fantastic company. You can check them out at www.floataway.com. I'll definitely I'll I'll talk more about my float tank experience here, but uh, very excited about the new float tank. It's got the star lights in it, uh, color therapy. I believe you can change the light uh, switch from inside the float tank for the light outside of the float tank. If that's a real thing, I'm going to be really excited about that. But we've already been unpacking it and like, oh my god, look at the remote because we've we've had a remote that's 10 years old. It gets the job done by all means. But this new, all the new technology, thinking that there's been 10 years of refinement between the last tank and this one, is uh, blowing me away. And we're we're pretty excited at the shop. So uh, again, float away www.floataway.com. Just get in contact with them, start up a conversation about your needs and all that stuff. They make several other types of float tanks, including cabins and, and the float arounds as well. Oh my goodness! Feels like so much is going on. Lance, what's going on with you this week? Uh, a lot. Oh yeah, it's just been busy. There's been a, a lot on the go personally, a lot on the go at the float shack, and a lot on the go with the float collective. So. Oh, wow, um, cool. Yeah, it just seems to be nonstop. We still haven't finished our construction, which we were supposed to get done like a week ago. So. I was so impressed by how quickly you got that stuff up. Yeah, but, and, <laughs> and, you know, we're 90% done. There's like 10 <laughs> cuts that need to be done, sand, touch-up paint, and some staining. And, <laughs> yeah, it's just as we get so close, it's just other things got put as priority. Funny. And I started to get tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That'll happen. That will um, happen. <laughs> but yeah, recently I've been working on some forms. So um, we've had an ambassador mm-hmm. program and the way we've really obtained our ambassadors has sort of been hearsay, this and that. It's been hard. We haven't had a direct way of getting ambassadors. So I've had this idea to start creating forms for things or applications mm-hmm. where we ask our list of questions, we get all their information and I'm going to be spreading this form out through different things like our different float programs, 
um, with our artists and ambassadors and things like that where they fill out the questionnaire. We get all the information we want. We get their disclaimers to use that they'll share on social media that we'll be able to interview them, get like a five-minute interview with them and use their content. So I've really just been working on creating this application and, um, you know, getting that done. And I feel like a lot of other programs will fall into place a little easier. Nice. And then um, really just trying to stay consistent with with what I'm doing. Um, Like you may have heard in the past, I've been listening to a lot of Gary Vaynerchuk, and he talks about being consistent. He's like 7 to 25 posts a day is what you should be doing. Maybe that's not for everyone. I've never posted that much for the longest time. I've said one post a day. I don't want to... You know, I don't want to turn my clients away. If I post too much, you know, right, I might have a, right. a few people unliking me. And then I broke down. I'm like, okay, if I post this much and three people don't like it and they check off, they unsubscribe from whatever, I may have gained 15 people during that time. Mm-hmm. So, um, just because they're I, catching I, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to stay a lot more consistent, keep things coming out, stay on top of, you know, some of these articles that are coming out and mm-hmm. really – um, interacting with my clients a lot quicker. So I'm trying to keep down with that on top of everything else. It's really proven to be a bit challenging, but it's a fun change. So hopefully I can keep it up. Well, I think it's good advice to anybody to be consistent, no matter what level you set it to. But I think mm-hmm. for a lot of our listeners who haven't started float centers yet, I think that's one thing you can start doing today is start um, going to one of those places that aggregates the information that's coming out on online, news sites, all of that stuff. Um, and we'll put up a link to, to one, uh, of those on the show notes here that we talked about recently, but, um, that's something that you can do to start getting followers already in your area. I mean, just, you know, maybe on the homepage, say that you're, or on your, uh, header of Twitter or what have you, that you're opening soon or going to be open in 2017, 2018, whatever it is. Um, and just start putting information out there and collecting those likes and all that stuff. So that when you have an announcement to make, you've already got a thousand people or, many thousands of people uh, already listening to you. Yeah, a lot. we had a huge advantage. We started marketing about eight months before we opened our doors. And uh, when we opened our doors, there was people ready to give us their money. Like, <laughs> it was uh, it was quite amazing. It, it was more than I expected. So, um, yeah, get get out there. That's the let, way to do let it. Let people know you're there. That's the way to do it. Uh, let's see here. Anything else this week? Uh, with me? Yeah. Anything else? Um, no, I've just been working really hard. We can get a lot of collective stuff on the go. Um, can I ask you about that? I was, I'm curious. Um, well, we've sort of, uh, I, I don't know if I should drop it yet. We've just sort of had some changes. We've had a bit of changes with um, how we're approaching a few things. And, yeah, we just have a huge newsletter coming out. And Okay. Um, Wait, yeah, wait for uh, the newsletter. Totally. I, I get it. I get it. It'll be this week. It'll be next week. It's a lot of work, a lot of work going into it. So, um, yeah, I'm sure it'll be quite rewarding. Cool. Amy, how about you? How's your week been? It has also been super, super busy. Um, lots of things that nobody cares about. A lot of background stuff. Uh, but we're, we're working on, uh, let's see, the big thing this week has been we have broken apart on paper our website. Uh, have started stripping out old blog posts that aren't um, that aren't really relevant anymore. That aren't getting any or not a whole lot of um, mm. traction in Google, which is fine. Some of it's old, irrelevant information. Mm-hmm. Some of the blog posts got some freshening up, 
so that we can reuse uh, them again. Uh, we redid our front page. So a lot. we're just uh, going through trying to streamline things, nice. um, making our voice, our collective voice sound a little a bit more similar. Now that we're three years in and we're starting to really understand our own branding a little bit more, we're uh, we're going through and trying to make everything a little bit more consistent, both visually and otherwise. So we have a long cool. ways to go, but mm-hmm. it is a huge, huge undertaking. So that I was... I believe you. Yeah. Must, must feel good. I know. I know. Feels great. Yeah. That's, and, that's um... a cool way of doing it, too. You said, sorry, Amy, you said putting mm-hmm. your website on paper. That's yeah. a really cool way to do it. I never thought of that. But um... Linking everything up. Yeah. Um, actually what we did, I said paper, what we really did is used, um, post-it notes and, um, created a map. Actually, I did this. (laughs) I say we, um, we as in me, um, used post-it notes and created a map and made little, uh, for each page and kind of showed where they're going to be connecting and, um, made little notes of who I need to do what for that page. Uh, ultimately, our goal is, of course, to boost our SEO and uh, make it a little bit more friendly for when we do some social media. Um, that is it. that is the goal, anyway. <laughs> you never know. I love it, and, and I just, yeah. I just got to take a moment to say, Engineer Brian here, who's who's behind the scenes, totally shot me down when once I I wrote our website out on paper to try arrange everything and make it just organize it in my head. He's like, Oh my. God, you've got so many apps that can do this for you. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, sometimes I just need uh, pen and paper and to see it visually mm-hmm. like this. So um, yeah. I'm, I'm glad he doesn't have a microphone tonight. To defend <laughs> I'm an old-fashioned pen and paper kind of girl. Uh, um, right, right? And remember, yeah, I Me mean, too. setting it up is one thing, but what you, making notes of what you have to do, it just breaks it down into small pieces. So I can mm. look at that paper, and I'm not looking at the whole thing mm. going, oh, my God, I'm never getting this done. Just looking at one little piece of paper that says, okay, just do this and this, and this page will be fine. I'm like, okay, I can handle that. I can yep, handle right. two, three little things. Uh, it makes it more manageable. You know? So Brian Brian is fancy, though. So he I'll give him fancy. that. He is fancy. He's fancy. He helps us out a lot. I don't know where we'd be without him. <laughs> uh, anything else going on with you this week? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the other thing, as we're working on the website, we are, now that the flotation, fiber module flotation project is gone. Um, we utilize that. Not only did we utilize it, uh, with a lot of our people who we deal with a lot of chronic pain people, um, but we noticed that it was a great marketing tool Hmm. and what it did is it opened up community. It was a very easy way to open up communication between us and the medical community. So I've really missed it. Um, I, I've lost a great connection that we had. So, uh, Mark and I created a, uh, we're calling it Float for Health right now. Um, it's very it's similar to the MediFloat program. I know in the in Canada they have the MediFloat program, and but we we did some tweaks that allow us to have a little bit more communication um, and create some education opportunities and uh, you know just opportunities to to um, speak and uh, open doors to the medical community again. So some weaknesses that we found in FF in the fiber module flotation project were kind of fixing that in our own. So we did a soft opening this week. We're not doing a whole lot of announcing it. We're trying to run a few people through it to make sure that everything is running as it should. And, and of course, trying to fix those gaps because <laughs> I know there's gaps. Right. Um, 
but in training the training the office, there's all that stuff that goes into it. So uh, hopefully by the time we have our staff meeting on Monday, everybody will be trained, everybody will feel good about it, and then we can start launching our social media on that. So it's kind of exciting, but I'm a little nervous. You know, a lot <laughs> good, of right. a lot of work, a lot of yeah. A lot of stuff I'm not quite sure how it'll work, but that's what you got to do. You just got to do it and then fix it on the fly. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's the way it goes. Or I'll never get, yeah. Yeah. I'll yeah. never get done. That's great. Like all the work behind the scenes and then at some point you just got to go throw it out there and then and then nothing is permanent. Like you can fix things. It's okay. It doesn't right. have to be, it never will be 100% until you put it out there and exactly. get a chance to refine. Yay. Exciting. Yeah. Cool. Busy, well, busy. Um, as I said, I have the... Um, tranquility float tank here my god it's so crazy like i mean that tranquility tank is the first tank that we put together and so like i was feeling some feels as we were taking it apart and took it downstairs and when it was empty the room was empty i was surprisingly hit with some crazy feels and like even like some of the smells of float tanks or just you know pvc piping and stuff like that was was awakening some stuff in me and um i don't think i'm too sappy but uh Gosh, it just really took me back when we were just really trying to start something for the first time and had no effing clue what we were doing. I mean, truly had no freaking clue. And it was just like, what wires seem like they would go together and what piping seems like it would go together. That, that's all we had at the time. And, uh, and somehow it worked and we, we managed it. Um, I think at some point we put our heads together and realized we could contact the company <laughs> and they helped out a little bit too, but, but, uh, yeah, it was a pretty, pretty wild time, man. And, and really working on that tank over the years as it's getting older and older and trying to keep it fresh and all that. And then just to get a completely brand new float tank, um, which also, I also feel like a little bit of pride, like, yeah, we're, at, we're at a point where we have a brand new float tank coming in. Like the, thank you to the old float tank that we, we bought used. It had been modified and um, it, it was what we could do at the time. And, and now we have a, a brand new version of it coming in in its place. I, I feel a little bit of pride about that and, and excitement uh, about what um, the floats are going to be like in that float tank. I'm so excited to jump in there and what it'll be like for all of our clients. And, and I'm assuming we'll be good for business as well. It might not have a drastic impact. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but um, it, it's just going to be really nice. And as you know, Sandra's about to have a baby, you know, we're going to be stepping back a little bit for, for a few, I'm going to say one month, but probably for a few months. And, uh, <laughs> oh yeah. Emily's on the call. <laughs> and, uh, I'm preparing myself. Better. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm just so excited. The tank is freaking beautiful. I started to get emotional again once the tank was together. I mean, just like the three main parts was like the base tub, the top, and then there's a door that goes on top of the top. And uh, when it was sitting there, I got choked up again. It just means so much to us. It's so beautiful. I, I can't even believe it. And no, like, no wear and tear yet. Like, it's a brand new car. I know there's going to be wear and tear on it. But <laughs> at this point, it is just brand spanking new and shiny. And uh, I... I I'm over the moon. I'm just over the moon about it. So I did, did a little Facebook Live uh, Free Float Friday on Tuesday as we do it at the float shop for some reason. I don't know why. And um, and uh, just showed them the empty room. And, you know, the Tranquility Tank is, is a hit for a lot of people. So it was kind of fun to be like, I kind of want to apologize. We're, we've gotten rid of the Float Away Tranquility Float Tank. But the good news is we're just replacing it with another Tranquility Float Tank. It's just in, in better shape. So that was fun to do. 
and uh, I'll be really excited to share it with everybody on on um, when it's all installed and everything. But uh, are you guys still doing the Facebook Live videos, by the way? I feel like Lance is. I don't know if I've seen it as often. Yeah, um, we're still going at it. In fact, we actually took one of our Facebook campaigns and kind of wrapped it in with some Facebook Live. So especially coming up over the next few weeks, we have uh, Facebook Live uh, chats actually scheduled on the books to announce some free float winners. And we also have some topic, some very short uh, Facebook Live uh, topic chats cool. that we'll be doing. So it'll be very frequent over the next um, three months. We've got it planned wow. out for three months. Damn, Amy. I, I want to hear more about that when it's, when it's more dialed in. Cool. Right? Or is yeah. it already dialed in? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got, we've got notes and everything. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? It's kind of nuts, but... Yeah, yeah. So we we're forcing ourselves to do it by tying it in to our to our ads this huh. year. Oh, I see. Whoa, mm -hmm. interesting. Can you can yeah. you elaborate on that a little bit more? Sure. So we so last time we did we always do one campaign that is for the purpose of um, collecting uh, email uh, email addresses. Um, super important if you do Facebook ads. Uh, you'll know why that's super important. So we always have a campaign running that we're collecting email addresses. And the way that we set it up last time is we kind of let the campaign run. At the end of the campaign, we drew for three floats. Um, but people, we noticed people were getting kind of antsy <laughs> and like, oh, when are you drawing? When are you drawing? When are you drawing? Um, this time we decided let's not make them wait. I thought that was too long anyway, but, you know, we have to try. We, we are always trying new things and measuring. Mm -hmm. So this time we decided, you know, Facebook Live is still very powerful. By the way. Not only Facebook Live, but uploading video in general is still pretty powerful in Facebook, using mm -hmm. Facebook as your um, video medium instead of uh, doing YouTube videos. So mm -hmm. keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. Even pre-recorded videos are good on Facebook. So we want mm -hmm. to take advantage of that. So what we're doing now is every two weeks in that campaign, we're drawing a name live on Facebook Live, and we're also tying it in with a small educational chunk of information nice. as well. Nice. So we're hoping that it's going to be uh, very short, but very uh, information dense, and hopefully they'll pass it along and also we'll get a winner. So they'll be tuning in for that as well. That's so we'll great. see how that goes. I love that. I love the tying the, yeah. like the reason to like and share it or, you know, tag somebody in mm -hmm. it and all that with information. And that's one thing where like, I've been so excited talking about our tanks or the events happening at the float shop that I still haven't gotten to what is floating. You know, what are the basic elements of floating and the benefits and all that stuff. So I'm... I think that's very smart to do, and I, I hope to do the same thing in the future. And one thing I will just um, reiterate, in case it wasn't clear, um, using it where they can comment below is good, but but you know uh, Facebook has now rolled it out where you can collect um, email addresses through Facebook, through an interface, um, and utilizing that to draw names from. Not only mm. does it get you their email addresses, but um, it's super easy to randomly choose one as well. So tying those things together makes life so much easier. Wow. What a crazy world we're living in at this point. Wow. If you think it's just the big companies that are using your email, little old float shops are too now. That's amazing. And incredibly powerful. Emails are right. so valuable. Sorry, Amy, go ahead. Right. Well, I was going to say in Facebook, they're valuable simply because when you have your client's email address... Um, you can upload it and utilize it to um, target when you when you want to 
talk to the people who have an interest in floating specifically. If you have their email address, when you do an ad, you can target towards those people. So you can communicate things to them, things that are important, things that they want to know about, they've indicated they want to know about. Because you know with Facebook algorithms now, you get very, very little, I mean, everybody's experiencing this, very little organic uh, movement of your of your ads yeah. or of your not of your ads I'm your sorry posts. of your organic posts and yeah. organic content yeah um, so it's all it's all important but email addresses are super important thank you for sharing that that's great Lance how about you have you been doing the Facebook live uh, I haven't been doing so much live because I made a video with my GoPro and my little Rode mic setup on there and I got a compliment on how good the quality was people ah. were saying wow that's amazing so i've been playing a lot with my gopro it's just trying to find that balance between everything right between the live video and like your edited video and this and that but um, i've been ordering some pieces off amazon and ebay for my sort of my iphone setup so i can improve my live yeah. video yeah. Um, stream as well so i can have like an external microphone and a different lens and ah. just to really step the game up of that live good. video but good. i've just sort of been slacking on it lately but it, it's funny that i'm i love that you brought that up because i i can't stand like the visual fidelity like so if i'm in a float room the lighting isn't great right it's kind of almost a definition of a float room it's not supposed to be designed for that and so it looks very um like the colors are just very drained down and the audio, like today, my recording, it like had a huge echo going on because there was nothing in the room. So yeah. to have like an external microphone um, and maybe a, a light source, something like that, just upgrades to make your Facebook yeah. live video, which is supposed to be raw, but make it more polished, but still live. Would be so yeah, awesome. that's something I, I can quickly run through my cool little setup. I've been Do taking it. some time to build, but um, first off, I got an iPhone. And I have a case with it called the hit case. Now on the hit case, what this does is it converts your hit case to adapt to GoPro mounts. So I originally had a GoPro. Oh. I had all the mounts. I had all that fun stuff. But now all my phone simply clips in the adapter. And then that adapter connects to any one of my GoPro connectors. I also got this little metal grip. On this little metal grip, there is three spots for three eight screws or hot shoe mounts, which you find on an on um, like an SLR camera. So on my grip, I mount my GoPro mount, I mount my phone to that, and in that hit case, I can also change lenses, so um, different frames of view and things like that. And with on that grip, I can add three hot shoe mounts. So on one of those hot shoe mounts, I run a Rode. Uh, micro external microphone and wow. the other one i got a manfrotto like adjustable um, led light so i can get that perfect lighting so nice. just waiting for Very a couple nice. more parts to come in then i'll have my full little <laughs> live setup so. just a movie and studio coming out of your iphone a movie set <laughs> yeah it's it hasn't cost me much to put together either nice. which is means a great return if i get two clients coming in from you totally. know a good quality live video that they actually want to you know connect with for more than 15 seconds absolutely so, right um, right but no, That's I've awesome. been slacking lately. I've been I've been more consistent elsewhere. But keep doing your live videos, people. It's amazing. Uh, well, I wanna I wanna upgrade. I mean, we we are doing at least a Facebook live video every month. So even even if it's just once a month, it needs to look better than today's. I just wasn't happy with it, you know. And if we're gonna be showing off float tanks and all that stuff, I want it to look good. I want it to look sexy. I want it to look appealing for somebody to step into our center, you know, not not whitewashed and, and looking faded, you know? 
Yeah, uh, but don't, again, again, if you don't have the best equipment, don't let that stop you. Please hmm. don't. Equipment isn't everything. Content. It's about content. Content's Put key. it out there. But over time, you know, spend little money here, little money there, and, and improve that over time. You don't have to go, you know, oh, I can't create a live video because oh, I don't have yeah. this and this and this and this. Don't make those excuses. Don't be <laughs> yes. that person. It's like, exactly that. It's an excuse. Put that content out. You'll get more comfortable with that content. Everything will flow easier. And... As time goes, do your upgrades then. Emily, uh, you've you've done a Facebook live video for the float shop. <laughs> <Were> you... <laughs> I did. Jen and I did a video. Yeah. Yeah. So like that was nerve wracking. I I remember you guys were a little, a little nervous. Very nerve wracking. Yes. But yes. but uh, just like anybody, you just gotta start doing it, right? And it turned out awesome. It did. The first version was the best, <laughs> however, and then we realized we accidentally did it on your personal account. <laughs> so then we had to redo it, and it didn't have as much pizzazz, but it was it was all right. But nobody knows that, and you guys nobody got knows reps that. in. It's all yeah. good, and, yeah. and it'll get better and better over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was actually really fun. Uh, I want to give a shout out to our new sponsor, uh, which is Helm, uh, which is brought to you by the our, our friends at uh, Float On, and uh, Helm is a scheduling software, and uh, we are fans of helm i we've been using helm for years and years uh at the float shop i think lance is signing up currently and so he'll be able to talk about his experience with helm but uh helm is designed from the ground up by a float center for float centers i mean you, you couldn't ask for a better you know insider view on what float centers need uh when it comes to um scheduling software it's so easy uh, when it comes to tracking all your measurements for what's going on in your float tank so flipping easy. Balancing your cash box, your till, super easy. Um, as well as what I'm missing here, scheduling, scheduling. Uh, is also in there. Scheduling is huge for us. That would be a completely other, you know, it, basically all these different pieces of software that you'd be throwing together and paying a bunch of money for, they're just putting into one cohesive suite for you. So it makes it super easy. There are also some fun features. Like, I haven't checked this out yet, but apparently um, you can now, like, give out a free float to a friend if you work there. That's something they, they brought up at the, the float conference. So, basically, they have a way to just gift floats to people. So, you meet somebody at a party and you want to just gift a float. Boom. You can just do it with a couple pushes of the button. So, that's... Uh, that's just where their heads are at, right? Like you, you probably wouldn't give away a free float for massage, so you're not going to find that in Mind Body, which we also use. But uh, if you're if you're float centric, this is who you want to go with. It just makes sense. Uh, let's see here. Is it floathelm.com? I believe is where you want to check them out. www.floathelm.com. And let's see here. I want to bring on Emily Norton officially. Hello, Emily. Hi, Dylan. I don't know how to introduce you exactly. Um, go for it. Okay, I'm going to go in, I think, chronological <laughs> order. Uh, All right. Former, <laughs> former roommate of Sandra's for, I don't know, how long was that? Only months. six months, yeah. Six months, okay. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, let's see here, beyond that, um, employee, or I guess volunteer at the float shop, uh, became employee at the float shop, uh, became part of Art of the Float by writing our um, show notes. So anytime you go to artofthefloat.com and read about the episode, that's Emily talking right there, uh, which <laughs> yeah. is awesome and very nice writing. Oh, yeah. And I guess I stepped out of chronological order, too, because she's written another really, really <laughs> cool, fun, important book. And uh, Unsinkable by Emily Norin is her 
chronicles her story of anorexia and floating. And mm -hmm. that uh, is something that we're going to get into deeper here on this interview. But uh, did I miss anything? I'm sure I missed a lot of things. Those were the highlights. Those, those, were the, those were the hits. That nice. was the hits right there. All right. Sweet. Sweet. Um, let's see here. So I know the, the crew wants to, it, it's funny because mm -hmm. I, I know your story pretty well and maybe I'll ask some questions that I don't know about yet either, but, okay. uh, they, I, um, so I know your story very well, but tell our audience, yeah. uh, about, oh, you're also a speaker. You've spoken at uh, the blue mind conference. You spoke at the float conference, um, both I think based off of, of your story and, and your mm -hmm. book unsinkable. So maybe you can give, uh, our audience and our other hosts here a little, a little walkthrough of your story. Sure, sure. Um, of your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and, and talking about my experience, it can I can tell the, the full story or how, how much would you like me to go, go for here? Why don't you... Um, hmm, that's a good question. I, there's a lot I want to cover, so I don't want to go too deep into it. There should also be a reason to buy the book, I guess. Yeah, uh, okay. But but what's, what's the overall arc? Sure, sure. So... Um, Let's see here. Well, I see. I grew up in Hillsboro, which is a, a suburb of, of Portland. Um, uh, I'd say on the outside, a pretty, pretty, pretty normal childhood. You know, as a pretty happy kid. Although for you know as long as I can remember, I was really, really um, an emotional, anxious kid. Um, I remember that from as far back as I can. Um, so when I was around fourteen, um, I had surgery to correct um, scoliosis, which is curvature of the spine, and um, Pretty major surgery, and I was in the hospital for um, two weeks after that, recovering, and uh, in bed for a month at home afterwards. And um, I was told this would happen to me, but uh, at the end of that uh, month of recovery, I had lost a, a lot of weight. Um, I was very skinny, and um, at the time, I didn't think much of it. So, you know, just resume normal eating. And, um, oh, and I guess I should say the weight loss was just from, you know, just not moving around very much or in the hospital, just not eating a lot. And, um, so yeah, reserved no more normal eating, gain weight again. And, um, then this, uh, movie came out, uh, called, uh, Center Stage. It's a dance movie. Um, if you're, if you're a dancer in the nineties, you know, what this movie is, um, and I was a dancer yeah. at the time. Um, Somehow that slipped past me. Yeah. Yeah. Darn. Um, and to say that, you know, I mean, I was a, a, a dancer, it just isn't encompassing it much. Dance was, um, dance was my world. It was, it was my escape. Um, I had a pretty, pretty chaotic household. My, my dad was a alcoholic and so evenings were pretty cyclically awful. Um, and, uh, dance was everything. It was allowed me to be, to be anybody to escape anywhere and um, what I saw in this movie was that dancers when they got to a professional level were really really skinny and um, I just remember that really hit me and I remember going like well all right so I got to do that I remembered my experience from just not eating after surgery and how to get back to the skinny and it kind of all this came together and I developed anorexia pretty pretty quickly um, started restricting food and um, in initially losing weight, the feedback I got from peers, um, family, fellow dancers, dance teachers was overwhelmingly positive, which happens a lot of times when people lose weight. Like, you know, people say like, oh, you, you look great. Mm -hmm. And and so that set in really hard, too, um, that this was all really good. And uh, I remember I took a trip to New York City with my dance group. 
And uh, we were there to like see Broadway shows and take classes. And we're in this one class and uh, we're, you know, learned a routine. We're performing it in groups. And um, um, the teacher pointed out a few of us and she was like, all right, you come to the center, you come to the center. And she pointed at me and said, you, the, the ballerina, you come and center. And how does all, all these people perform it who she thought were exceptional? And that she thought I looked like a ballerina really set in really hard too. But what she was seeing was just kind of uh, an emaciated person. I don't think she was really pointing to my dance ability. It was just, but that I looked like a ballerina. That was like, whoo, that set in real hard. That was the first like very strong positive feedback about that? I'd I'd say that was the significant among many that I continually got. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But the restricting got, you know, more fierce and fierce. Um, and um, as I lo- continued to, to lose weight, um, the f- positive feedback stopped as, you know, people were starting to get really worried. Mm. Um, and um, my body also tried to tell me that something, that this wasn't okay anymore. I um, stopped, like my hands are really cold, didn't have really good circulation. Um, I stopped getting my menstrual cycle for about seven months before I said anything. And not much was, I guess, maybe known about anorexia at the time because I, I told this to my mom and she really was confused too. So we went to my pediatrician and, um, my pediatrician, I, at this time I was think I was, I was 14 still. And so she said, uh, she noticed my dramatic weight loss and, you know, asked some questions to, you know, see if maybe I, I think she was trying to see if I had an eating disorder, although I wasn't really cluing into that at the time. Mm -hmm. At the time, I don't think it clued into me that I had an eating disorder. This all felt very good and positive. And so, um, she sent me to a nutritionist. Um, and that experience was awful because I sat in front of this nutritionist. I was shown like the food pyramid and she had me make a list of what I was eating. And she said, well, honey, that's not enough. Soon you see the food pyramid here. And she had me make graphs of what I would make you stay. And it was a very awful experience because I was trying to convey like, don't you get it, lady? Like, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to eat that. I, I like how I look. And, um, I always remember that as a, wow. a, a sign of, um, sometimes the, the gold standard treatment of anorexia nowadays, even still, isn't really, really effective. And that certainly was my experience, um, my first experience with, you know, treatment. Um, so I didn't go, didn't do that anymore. Um, so, so I'm sorry, who, who brought you in in the first place? I'm not sure if I missed that. Oh, my mom. Your mom brought, brought you yeah. in. And then this person is saying, yeah, yeah. All right. Here are all the things that you want to do. This is what you want to eat. This is the, the new pyramid, the new yeah. style of everything. And, but you were just like, Nah, I I like what I got going on. Exactly. Here. So there's like, no you interest in the yeah. first place. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and I think I only went to like appease my mom. You know, like okay. all right, I'll do this. And um, so at that point, that's when the hiding began. And I think that's really common for people with eating disorders is once you decide that um, you you're going to continue down a path that's not agreeable to your doctors or your parents, it it becomes a game of just of hiding, um, isolating yourself. And, um, and that's what it became for me from there on for about 14 years. Um, I, it evolved into bulimia. So binge purge cycling. And, um, then also, I'm also trying to talk about another part of it, which was, um, chewing and spitting. 
Um, actually, and that's not like being at the dinner table where like, you know, you, you know, eat food and spend your napkin and hide it. Um, it's more like, um, spending like hours of your day going to the grocery store, buying food that you intend to like chew, uh, and, and spit. And, um, it's a way of, for me, it was like numbing myself, escaping. And the funny part is, and you can imagine why it would be so shameful. It's not only, it seemed you know extremely wasteful, but how how gross? Who would want to tell anyone about that? I'm trying to talk about it more because um, I actually, in writing my book, I I didn't even think to include it because I I, I was so ashamed of it. Um, um, there's I, I'm what I'm learning though through articles and um, blog communities online is that it was actually it's actually really really common. Actually, for a lot of people, eating disorders is just a natural part of a part of it. So I'm trying to talk about that more. Um, so for the next 14 years, my eating disorder was my religion. It was what I did every day for hours, what, no matter what it was. Although I went through the motions of like going to school, having jobs, um, it was all just background noise. Um, couple, couple snapshots of what that looked like. Um, I got, um, I got a master's degree in, in teaching elementary education. I wanted to be a, a teacher. I thought I did actually probably not the best fit for me now that I, now that I know more about myself and right out of getting my master's degree, I got a job teaching fifth grade. And this was like, you know, at the time when teachers weren't getting a lot of jobs. So, um, it's kind of like my dream job. I felt really lucky and it was a classroom of really incredible kids, just really cool kids. But I was so um, unhealthy trying to balance my anxiety and sadness um, with this overwhelmingly difficult new job and also the demands of my, my ed, my eating disorder, which was to spend, you know, get up early in the morning to binge and purge only to come home right at home for chewing and spitting, binge purging. Who could <laughs> balance that? And um, I'm really and I'm embarrassed. Ass I'm assuming your brain isn't functioning as well either. I mean, it can't be getting the nutrients it needs. To... Absolutely not. No, no. Uh, and certainly difficult to be present for. Uh, yeah. So when you, when you think back, do you feel like there's a sense of cloudiness or as you said, is it difficult to be present and in the moment? Be, and then I, I don't mm -hmm. even just mean because being in your body might be difficult because mm -hmm. right, how, how can right, you be totally right. centered and in your body? But I mean, just right. like physiologically, do you, do you remember it being different than today? I remember always being, you know, in, in the floating world now we call it fight or flight, just never okay. I always had to look forward to the next binge purge or the next cycle of like chewing and spitting to numb myself. Just never okay being alone with, my, with myself. Um, because of how I'd isolated myself, um, because of how I'd cut everyone out, you know. So, um, uh, I got, you know, school year started in September and by the end of September, I, I had, I had to tell the principal, I, I couldn't do it anymore. Mm. And then telling the classroom of students and Ooh, wow. you can imagine how embarrassing such an event would be. And, um, and, and that, an event like that too, just added to my self-hatred. Um, I got an, another kind of snapshot of how my eating disorder took over my life would be, um, you know, as I told you, I was a dancer and, um, it might seem kind of silly, but a, a big goal of mine was always to dance in the Rose Garden. You know, blazer dancers dance in the Rose Garden. And at the time, there was a team in Portland. There was a Lumberjacks team. Uh, I'm sorry, a lacrosse team called the Lumberjacks. And they had a dance team. 
And um, one year I tried out and I made it. And this was a year after trying for years and years and years to uh, do these different auditions and make it. And um, uh, I remember we had our first game in the Rose Garden. And on my way there, I felt like I had eaten too much and it consumed me. It was like, well, can't go to the game. And I Whoa, quit. No way. I literally had to go home and binge and purge that bad. Like looking back now, oh, wow. I can't imagine being in that headspace, but it, mm-hmm. that's where I was at. It was that when, it, I mean, when people say their eating disorders are priority number one, like it's, it's that, it's that serious. So, um, so then, you know, um, around, um, let's see, but somewhere in there I was uh, roommates with Sandra. <laughs> right. And, yeah, um, so actually that's, that's an important note. I mean, yeah, the, the, our relationships have been a little cyclical, or at least your, your twos have been. And, and yeah, um, it was actually around this time I, I moved into Sandra and I found her on Craigslist. And, um, at the time we were, um, I, I, I would say we didn't, I didn't get to know her that well. I really isolated myself despite her obvious, you know, attempts to reach out to me and include me and won't be there for me. I, I wasn't ready to be anyone's friend. Um, I was eating disorders friend and, um, um, about, you know, maybe what, how many years later, was it six years later or something like that? I yeah. I think six that. or seven years later, um, I'd say I'd hit rock what I would say rock bottom. Um, I was, um, really caught up in a cycle of abusing, abusing Adderall and I, and I don't have ADHD. (laughs) It was just purely stimulant for me and, um, and using Xanax at night to kind of tranquilize myself. And, um, I was also like using cocaine here and there. And that combined with the eating disorder was just, I, I was, had this psychosis. I was, felt like I was losing my mind and, certainly a lot of health problems along the way from like heart palpitations, um, to, uh, yeah. Um, so I saw Facebook, um, saw Sandra was opening this, uh, this place called the float shop. And, um, and if you know Sandra, you know that there's just, um, there's something about her. She, um, she has a, a, she has a wisdom and, um, I've always admired her a lot. So I, uh, we met for tea. And um, poured my heart out, you know, and... Uh... So, uh, I, I got a question. First, when, <laughs> Go when she it. was reaching out to you while you guys were living together, she yeah. knew what was going on? Yeah. She, yeah. It, it was obvious to her. Okay. And then, so, during Oh, this... yeah. And, you know, I felt pretty comfortable talking to her, too. Oh, even back then? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I felt comfortable to... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think Sandra and... always knew what was going on. So, when you, when you guys got together for tea, you're... Unloading everything, your uh, everything, <laughs> everything, wow. and um, and she did a great job of listening, and um, like she does, uh, <laughs> like she does, if you know Sandra, and um, I, and I remember her, you know, telling me about floating and not really like you know promising anything, but um, you know, she said, hey, it's, hey, it's it's helped a lot of people. I don't know, you know, <laughs> give it a shot. Um, and, and I did, and this was after being at the float shop and hanging out with her for a while. And it's, um, it's, a, it's a opposition to the chaotic force in one's life. It is, um, 
very soothing and an environment I at first didn't feel comfortable or deserving of being in. Hmm. Um, it felt very unusual. Um, so I think that was a sign at first. I was like, there's something, there's something here. And so I floated for the first time and, um, it was very difficult. Um, and I try and remember that even now when we talk to people about floating, because it's a very peaceful, relaxing experience, but for, for a lot of folks, it can be really, um, um, a lot to handle being, you know, being alone with oneself, Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I mean, my eating disorder for me was a way to distract myself from ever having to really think mm-hmm. about how I felt about myself. So being totally faced with that was really difficult. And I think I only stuck with it because I would have been embarrassed to get out early. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, um, and, and also I was sick and tired of being sick and tired you know, and I, so that's a question. I, so I, I, part of me wants to ask a bunch of questions that the other part just wants no, to listen. Please, please do. Uh, the, yes. S- yes. So you, you had decided maybe that decided is the wrong word you, but you wanted to be done with this. Like there was a switch in you. You know, um, I would say I, there was a part of me that still didn't believe that I would never not have an eating disorder, but uh-huh. I know I didn't want to die. I I, I'm just, I, the reason I ask is because I think about NA and AA and how the success rate is so much like ridiculously higher when the person wants to recover, uh-huh. um, as opposed to somebody who's forced to going into treatment. By right. Family yeah. Friends. Yeah. And yeah. So I'm curious where on that spectrum you landed, like when you reached out to Sandra, was that part of you going, looking for something? Yeah. And I think and I, I do think that's why Sandra consciously in describing floating to me didn't say, you've got to try this. Uh-huh. This is going to help you with your anxiety. But instead was like, so it's helped a lot of people, you know, <laughs> you might have. Mm-hmm. And, and through, oh, I, I will talk about Sandra a lot because she was very instrumental in my recovery mm-hmm. in that she never really pushed or, um, was very forceful in any way, but just encouraged my own discovery of this process. And I do feel like I navigated my own recovery, but would not have continued to without such support. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, during the float or I guess by, by the end of your float, did you go, I think uh, that was good or I enjoyed that or was it, (laughs) that was the worst. (laughs) What was your feeling at the end? At the end, I felt very proud for having gotten through it. <laughs> cool. I felt, and this is, and this is going to sound like maybe cheesy and overthinking it, but I, I had this feeling when I got out of the float that if I stuck through my other pain, that it too might be temporary. That hits you on your first float. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, and it sounds cheesy, but I had I this feeling that, that like, cheesy, you know, maybe if you just, Emily, if you stick through this pain, it too might be temporary. Wow. Lance, yeah. what were you going to say? Oh, I was, that, that's just deep. That's, that's important. <laughs> that's learning to listen to your intuition is, is hard. It's a hard thing to do, but sometimes the messages are, are right there, mm. right in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. So what happens after that? After so that what happens float? after that? Um, so I came back to float a few more times and, um, you know, I was, I really related to, um, 
Michael's speech at the float conference, Michael and Beck talking about his recovery through floating from PSD mm-hmm. is he was talking a bit about his um, floating recovery being in, in like stages. Like it wasn't like, mm-hmm. you know, just a few floats and it's like a big change. But he was saying at first his float process in the tank was just rest. Like it, <laughs> there wasn't a lot happening at first, but just like resting. And that's definitely what it was for me. I would sleep in like every float. And it felt like such a peaceful escape uh, state, so different than my normal outside of the tank that I would crave returning to it so frequently. (laughs) And I wasn't, and at this time, I don't even feel like I was like trying to recover from my eating disorder. Like that was never, I was just trying to find a, just get through the day, get through the week and um, couldn't wait to get back into the the float tank and just escape for a little while. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you're also working a job that was stressing the hell out of you. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, definitely stressing an, the an hell out of job. me. I don't think my I don't think I coped with it very well by abusing you know Adderall just to get through more work done. I, wow. I think I think a different person in or a, a, a better healthier mental state at the time would have handled it differently. I but um, yeah, I think I I was also not making the situation better for myself. Um. So I was floating, you know, every day, every other day I was floating a float on as well. I, I didn't, I thought that floating that often might be uh, weird. Um, I thought the people at the float shop would think I was weird if I came every day. I was worried. I had a moment where I thought I might be getting addicted to floating because every time in recovery I try something that I think is helping, it actually is a, a bad thing that I get addicted to. <laughs> Um, which is what I thought Adderall was initially. And um, uh, Sandra assured me that, that, that no, I, the state in the float tank was just a, a state so different from my normal that I needed to return to it continually until it became more my normal. And then after a while, um, I noticed that I was getting the same or looking forward to floating in the same way that I would look forward to like, a binge per cycle or like taking a drug. And so then I thought I could replace floating with those things because both of those things, all of those things provide instant relief. Like um, if I, if I eat food and it's awful, I can purge again, instant relief. If I feel awful and take a drug, I get instant relief. Or if I just, instead of those things for any of those feelings, get in a float tank, I have instant relief. It feels different than the state I was just in. It's like an escape. So I would float like right after work and I know that I'd have my float scheduled at 6 p.m. and know that no matter how uncomfortable or anxious I'm feeling right now in my float at 6 p.m., I won't be feeling that way anymore. And I think that's true with a lot of addictions is it's, you'd, if you could, if people could just stop, often they, they would, they would just stop, but it's not that simple. I think you have to find something to, to replace it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that's what floating did for me. I need to get off of those things. And, and obviously then after I was uh, more clear headed, as I call it, my, my, my unaltered state, um, then floats were a bit more lucid and I was more aware and um, asking myself what I, what would my life look like if I were, if I were happy Um if I, if I did gain weight, how bad would that be? Wow. Like, what in my life what? would change, really? What? So that, that, those thoughts started appearing in the float tank or around the float tank? In the float like, tank. In the float tank. Yeah, and I guess you would call this meditating? 
<laughs> I did not know that at the time. And these were questions I'd had, you know, therapists asked to me before, but for some reason before, um, those questions just made me look confused. Like, well, what are you talking about? Like, I don't know the answers to these questions. Mm -hmm. And sometimes with an eating disorder, and I think a lot of anxiety-related disorders, it feels like there's six voices in your head at once. And how, how do you know which one to listen to? And something about the float made all of those other voices dissipate. So I only heard, I only heard one and it became very easy to answer these questions. Um, and then act on them and make small life changes. And, um, fascinating. and it was a very long process. And I, but I'd say within six months, I started to just feel like a different person. You know, I was like, well, what if I did ask for less hours at work? Huh. And then I spent that time volunteering at the float shop. And with people that make me feel good about myself and what if I did make time for friends and actually mm -hmm. showed up and things like that. Right, right. So not, it's a very small canceled. change. Yeah. And I, yeah, a long process, but after slowly that Ed voice started to just totally be gone. And I, I wish, I wish I knew the neurological way of describing what happened in my brain. But all I know is that that voice isn't there anymore. It's, it's, it's not. And I, um, which, that which, was, mm -hmm. that's not supposed to be possible, right? Uh, that's definitely been, that my understanding is even with the gold standard, there's no full recovery. You live. So glad you asked this disorder. question, Dylan. <laughs> so one of the things that kept me stuck in my, or stuck holding on to my eating disorder for so long was how I was told over and over that I had a disease and that I couldn't recover on my own. And definitely people can't recover on their own. They need help. But just this being told that um, I had a disease, um, I would learn to manage it, but it might be something I'm always battling. And so, like, why would I even try? Like, what's the point? Like, that's awful. Is that all I get? That sucks. <laughs> um, and I think I always had a voice in me that told me, like, that there had to be better than that for me. Like, there's got to be more to life. I can't be, I, I, I can't end up being a 50 year old woman with this voice in my head, even wow. if it's smaller. And even if I've learned to manage my symptoms and I've had, and I knew in going through different treatments, um, you know, people who were decades older than me and, um, and still battling their disorders. And, um, and so I, I really had that fear that, that that would be me, but I didn't want that. I knew there had to be better. I just knew it. And um, so when I reached that point, um, you know, where I am now, where it's, I'm fully recovered. I, I can't recall the last time I had an eating disorder thought or, yeah, it's very strange. It blows my mind daily. Um, I try not to scream, like tell people all around me all the time <laughs> right, right. how much I'm astounded that that this is the quality of life I have now, but it's still, it, it blows me away because from the time I was 14 until 20, 28, 29, it was 95% of my day. I mean, and now it's 0%. Like that's insane. The, but, it's not, wow. but it's my, it's my truth. It's my existence. And so it's, it's true. And, I, and I don't think I'm, I'm not special. Like I'm not, I'm not, I think this, this is, can be anyone's mm -hmm. reality who's struggling. And I think if, if that were 
spoken to be the truth a bit more. And a lot of treatment centers do have that philosophy that full recovery is real. Um, but that wasn't my experience until I, until I learned it for myself. Have, Have you had any relapses since feeling recovered or floating? Not since I would say I feel full recovered, but relapse mm-hmm. is a natural part of the recovery process. Mm-hmm. Like it's all, it's two steps forward, one step back mm-hmm. for a really, really long time. And I think that that's, that's normal. That's natural. And oftentimes it would be a necessary reminder of why I was choosing recovery every day. Um, but, but now, yeah, I, I, I do guess that a lot of could it happen to me later Mm-hmm. I, I don't think so. I mean, there, <laughs> this is going to sound silly, but there have been, I've gone through some hard times since then and it's occurred mm-hmm. to me like, well, maybe <laughs> this old coping of mechanism of mine will oh, be help. Wow. And I'll like try to engage in it. And it's like, nah, oh, it's wow. not for me anymore. Oh, it doesn't serve me. <laughs> um, so I don't know what happened in my brain, but it's right. Right. No there. Kidding. And it's not that I don't right. have, anxiety it's not that i don't still have things i'm working on as a human but that uh an eating disorder is not something i identify with anymore it seems like um yeah distant like a past person we've we've moved a little further away from it since uh, you were talking about it so i know this isn't going to be exactly spot on but when you were talking about uh floating being meditation Mm -hmm. uh, it just it just makes me cycle through so many different clients who, who would say things like they you know, they didn't actually spend time thinking about their problems, but they, they know the answer now that it's out, that they're out or, you know, yes. they, they just know the answer because it's, it centers you. It's just this natural thing that seems yeah. to happen in a float tank is you find this centering point and it's not every float, but I think every single time it's a little bit more and more and more in focus into aligning your chakras or whatever you want to put, however you want to say it, be feeling centered. And, yeah. um, how could you be making choices that are not healthy for you that are um dangerous to yourself Mm -hmm. and be centered at the same time so like you keep choosing this place where you're feeling rest and recovery Mm -hmm. and that feels good physically and physiologically but then you're also your mind and your spirit are getting centered at the same time or you can take the spirit part out of it as well but you're you're just feeling Mm -hmm. centered um and uh how how could you feel centered and still find those things to be appealing time and time again after getting into the float tank. To me, I I mean, it it may be naive, but it it feels to make a lot of sense from the outside looking in that that would work. Yeah. Um, I think you described it really well. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. That's definitely what my experience was. Okay. The other thing I wanted to, I kind of wanted to ask, but I almost feel like the answer is almost kind of in, in that explanation is, would this work for other men and women who suffer from anorexia, bulimia, and even drug? I mean, I, I know we can yeah. kind of keep making it go further and further out, but anorexia is on the list at LIBOR. Um, yeah. What, uh, I mean, what do, what do you think the results are going to look like? Do you think you have mm-hmm. to be in the state of wanting recovery? Do you think it will naturally happen by simply spending time in, frequently mm. in a float tank? And by the way, you're, you're, I mean, technically this is on record. Yes, it's going on audio, but I'm not saying you're guaranteeing anything, but can you just share your ideas? These are, these are great questions. And these are questions ever since reaching recovery that I, I grapple with because the, I obviously being recovered is, is awesome, but, um, what would be more awesome is if it were happening to more people 
And <laughs> it's I, I, once I reached recovery, I feel like I had this like gold nugget of like of truth and information that, that full recovery was real and that floating was my tool for getting there. And so how can I how can I how can I communicate this? Um, I think everyone's recovery process is different and not everyone's process will look like mine and and people should try different things and maybe it's traditional structured treatment in a in a hospital or treatment center maybe it's yoga um, and I think what's important is that everyone should try different things until they find the thing that works mm-hmm. my, my personal feeling is that even and like you said Dylan even if someone's maybe not ready to recover floating will be help them in some way mm-hmm. whether it's helping their their quality of life from where they're at because it's it's only going to happen when when they're ready in their own time and i think that's okay um yeah interesting i'm i'm curious if floating will help them find their time to want to be done uh i'm curious i I think so. I think so. It's, um, it's one of those things I come from a point of not wanting to, like Sandra did with me, not say, this is good. This is going to work for you. Yeah. Um, but I, all I can say is that, holy moly, it was my turning point and it led to me having this really awesome life. And I, 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 you know, and I hope others can kind of look at that and take from that what they will. That's, that's kind of all I can say. But in terms of um, what's happening at Liber, that's really exciting stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you we, of all people must be pretty stoked on that. <laughs> oh, my God. And, you know, we, when we were, we were, sorry, you and I and Sandra went to Liber um, in October of 2014. And I don't know if you remember, but at that time, during that trip, I was very, I was a very emotional, it was a very emotional trip for you know, me. I, I do remember that. Yeah. I, I had just reached that point of like, holy crap, I'm fully recovered. And there's this treatment center that's doing it. I felt, I was feeling a lot of things. I was feeling a, a tense sense of urgency hmm. that this research happened. And be so that um, practitioners can have the knowledge so that people can floating. Like, to me, the sense of urgency was real because what was in my mind was friends who died, friends of friends who died, who are still living with the disorder, Um, people in the blog community who I, blogs I'd followed since a teenager who aren't blogging anymore because they're no longer with us. And the anger I was feeling that this treatment wasn't made aware to me 10 years ago. I had a lot of feelings during this trip. And um, I remember Justin really understanding that at the time and um, letting me know that Emily research isn't a race, it's a marathon. Um, So to see some results come at this last float conference was just (laughs) incredibly emotional. And um, uh, I don't know if you guys remember Saib Kalsa's speech, but Saib, mm-hmm. yeah, it was um, it was very emotional for me to see that mm. the the, re- the research is happening, and um, yeah, I'm just excited. That's fantastic. Yeah, um, a- Amy, I noticed you wanted to ask a question earlier. Yeah, um, one thing I'm curious. I'm kind of backtracking a bit, but one thing I'm curious is uh, the way that you use the float tank in the beginning. Um, seemed to change in the beginning you were talking about how it was it provided some deep rest for you it was a very safe haven and then 
it kind of transitioned to an opportunity to just clear out the rest of the voices um, so that you were you were healing, hearing that still small voice inside of you. Um, how are you using the float tank now as opposed to then? Has it has oh. that tool, the use of that tool changed for you? Oh, it's Oh, absolutely changed. My floats now are a very different experience than when I was uh, feeling my eating disorder so acute, so acutely. Now I float about every other week and it is mostly just rest. Um, it's usually after a long day at work at the float shop. And I, you know, I've also started running too. So my, my, you know, my, I have sore muscles and <laughs> it's a very different experience. And, um, you know, I, Sometimes I do have something I'm maybe going through or working on, but it's it's a very different experience. Um, it's it's more like um, like a, a recharge than a, um, a, a you know lucid dream into my past trauma. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know that that's I like that you brought up the running thing because I remember a year or two ago I think that you expressed some concern about I don't know if it was running or climbing or doing a sport because yeah. of the the body aspect of it of yeah um, well I might start wanting to do that to look a particular way and right. so it's really interesting for me to see you confidently running because you enjoy running yeah it was uh, really important to, that I abstain from exercise for a pretty long period of time just yeah. I um, I know myself you know I had a feeling yeah. that I I wouldn't be able to do it in a healthy way but rather tie it into like burning burning calories or you know oh. burning calories or something like that so being able to start up running just like a couple months ago was and 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 like feel good running like I like I get it now like what people do to like run and their bodies feel good it's insane like I get it I I get it I used to awesome. see people running on the street and just I was like, does everyone have a body image issue? Like, I just didn't get why people run, but oh, I get it. Interesting. Yeah, right, right. I just I thought that that's why people exercise. Wow. Yeah, I I get it now. Um, uh, can, <laughs> can I take it back even further? And yeah. I, I think this is all in the same vein. Uh, back at Liber, when when that was a difficult time for you, and yes, I re- I recall it very well. Um, the way that I saw it uh, was, and and I'm curious what your take is on my take, yeah. <laughs> which is. I saw you as somebody who was almost experiencing the world for the first time. Like, like you had had this large distance between you and the rest of the world for, a, what is it, 12, 12 years battling this. And so um, to some degree, you weren't, <laughs> gosh, I'm going and slipping into these things that aren't, aren't really uh, physical, but like your soul wasn't pressed against the edge of your skin. You know, you weren't right there experiencing the world. Instead, there was this distance between... Um, your amount of presence and the world that you were experiencing. And so um, when once that guard came down, it was almost like it was raw flesh or raw skin (laughs) interacting with the world. And and it was like this nerve. There were just nerves all around your body Mm -hmm. that were experiencing sensations for the first time. Uh, Is that accurate in any way? Because that is just how it felt uh, on my side. I don't know that I've ever... Everything was very raw. I also felt like, like a like a rocket ship just blasting into space. Like I felt like I had just so much momentum to like be like this recovery warrior for everyone still struggling behind me. And so I think I was, yeah, just uh, wasn't really taking things one day at a time. You know, I was just really motivated to like get everyone floating now, no excuses. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I, you know, I, I see everyone's process in a different light now and also the pace with which research must come and it's, and it's right, but, right. <laughs> but at the time I was just like, wow. 
there's just not enough time. People are struggling. People are struggling now. There's, I, I didn't want to hear any more excuses about why there wasn't a float center in every treatment hospital. I didn't want to hear any of it anymore. I was so done with Western medicine that had failed me for decades. Mm. I was, yeah. But Justin was uh, like, no, Emily, <laughs> let, me, <laughs> let me guide you. <laughs> well, maybe this is a good segue to talk about your book. It's unsinkable. It's on Amazon. We'll put, we'll put up a referral link so you can help support the the show while yeah. you, while you buy her book if, if you want to. But, um, mm-hmm. I really wanted you on this show to, my goal was for other float centers to have your book in their float center. Um, And honestly, sorry, Emily, but it's not to pad your pocketbook. (laughs) I think there's an insane amount of value to, for other. So we, it's about floating. It's actually, I was surprised by the end. It's not just saying jump into a float tank. It's about finding what is right for you for, for your own recovery. But obviously floating is, is throughout the story. And it's also very easy to pick up and read. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's not intimidating. It's not a college textbook. And you can read it in a few sittings pretty easily. So we've had some clients read the whole book through, you know, coming for, for a few floats, which is really awesome. Um, and uh, I think to just be able to get the word out to your clients in your float center through a compelling story. It's not like it's just a... Um, it, a book on recovery uh, that's right. only for a very minute particular demographic. It's compelling. And, and um, I have been really surprised since getting to know Emily, how many people have uh, family members or friends who have issues with anorexia, bulimia, ed, uh, eating mm-hmm. disorders. And um, those wouldn't have been brought to the light because it's me. <laughs> um, but because Emily, um, pe- people are more willing to talk about it around Emily, uh, because she's very willing to talk about it because we have the book out there and, uh, it, it comes up then. And, uh, I think it will spark a lot of conversations and I think it means that it can find other people. I think it can be, um, a word out for floating in general. I think the more that gets into our population of our client base, the more it will, uh, reach out to those beyond are the people who are already floating with us. Um, so I'm telling everybody, I think floating is great. I think floating is great. But then I know somebody who is, is going through an eating disorder, whether it's a friend or, or a family member, this book might be just something cool to pass on. And uh, one thing I found when I first read it was it read like a Chuck Palahniuk book, which author of Fight Whew, Club. And, that's a compliment and, right there. Uh, <laughs> so glad you know, it was a very, very particular style in my mind of kind of, well, I won't get into that, but but easy to read, very compelling, and um, something that Chuck Palahniuk, I think, had has talked about is just passing the book on. You know, it's not necessarily about buying a new copy of it, it's about passing it on, and I think about this being something that is passed on to people who need it, um, mm-hmm. I think would be awesome. But, but again, um, my goal is for this book to be in every float center. I think anybody who listens to this, this podcast, if this moves or compels you in any way, or if you think that it would move or compel the people in your space, if you think this could provide healing for people, which I truly believe it does, mm-hmm. I strongly encourage you to um, buy Emily's book. And I would say three to five copies of her book just to, to store there. And of course, one for yourself. Um, but w- whatever's right for you, of course, but man, I think there's just a ton of value in it and strongly encourage it to be stored in float centers. I, I think it should be a, right there with 
uh, Michael Hutchinson's book. And um, I think uh, Blue Mind is another one where it's kind of funny. It doesn't necessarily um, delve into floating a whole lot, but Blue Mind is all about water and it makes sense to be in a float center. I think it should be right there with all of them. So uh, anyway. I, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to, for a moment, um, uh, be a bit less humble than no normally am. And I'm going to, I'm going to agree with you, Dylan. And I think the big reason is because for the most part, you're, you're not going to know when someone has an eating disorder who comes into your center. Um, it's not something that people really usually openly share. Um, especially right. if they're not even at a, the point where they're like thinking about recovery and, um, and those are usually the, the emails that I get or that is from the person who picked it up in a float center and the float the center, you know, person there had, had no idea they had an eating disorder, but then they, but then they started talking about it cause they, they saw my book there. So even if you just have it, yeah, like by on your lobby on the coffee table there. Um, and the other thing that, and like Dylan said, it's, um, I, I, I wrote it in a specific style to be easy to read. It's in small chapters. It's very palatable, right. especially for someone with not a lot of, um, uh, like at the time of my acute struggle, cognitive functioning was not, was really lacking. And so I wrote it with that reader in mind. And, wow. and the other part of it is that, um, it conveys the, the need for a, a long process when doing an intense float journey. So I think a lot of times we talk about, um, you know, how great you feel after a float, but, um, I think it's not, common for someone to realize how how much regular frequent floating can be can can lead to like really lasting results and that's some feedback I've heard too is that someone said oh I'm really I didn't I didn't realize how long it might take or or I didn't realize that uh not every float would feel good <laughs> um because I talk about that too about some floats being you know fussy and anxious and not really meditative and peaceful so uh, you know, I think there's a lot of relatable stuff in there for someone who's who's struggling, who might connect with it when they're not ready to connect with um, a person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So mm -hmm. uh, I have a question. Yeah, Since um, I've seen this come up in float facilitators, actually, um, people are asking. So, Emily, if you were to prescribe someone, I shouldn't say prescribe. If somebody <laughs> don't. say no, 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 I think it's something that needs to be brought because. Um, if someone is battling or fighting an eating disorder and they were to ask, well, how much should I float? Mm -hmm. And you were to prescribe them an amount to float, what would you recommend they float once you were a week? to recommend, yeah. Or to recommend. Well, you can call it whatever you want. Like, it's, it doesn't matter. It's... Well, a pres <laughs> prescription is a pretty specific thing. So let, let's go with the recommendation. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. And when I get that question, I tend to go back to describing my own experience. So... For example, in the in the time where I was really starting to get used to floating and doing some really deep work, I was floating two to three times a week. And then once I started, that started to become um, more my state of normal and I wasn't doing such as intense work in there. I floated, you know, once a week. And so I really, I personally do try and um, avoid giving such a recommendation because it is so dependent on, on the person. And, um, some things I do like to, if you happen to know someone struggling with an eating disorder for floating specifically, I, I recommend doing it at nighttime after meals. Those are kind of sometimes the most, um, emotionally difficult times. Um, so yeah, I tend to on the side of just, yeah, describing my own experience, maybe yeah. the experience of someone else, um, so that they can kind of draw from that. 
um, and make their own conclusions. So, um, yeah, that seems to be what a lot of people say in the industry is, well, it's different for everyone, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's what's best for you. And I've caught myself always saying that, but then, you know, is it, is it best to go through those un- uncomfortable floats or make that time to like really be in the float tank and really be consistent with that practice to get the most out of it? Basically, do you think you would be at the point you were today you are today if you did not float the amount you were floating? No, I definitely wouldn't. It required that intense amount of floating for me. But it was all, again, it was um, it was all navigated by me and all by my own process. And I don't know if it would have been as effective if, say, Sandra had said, you know what, Emily, you're going to need to float like three times a week. So I'm going to make these up, you know. <laughs> I, 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 it might have. I don't. I don't know, though. That'll be interesting with with the research that comes out because there will be basically a prescription. They had, and I, yeah, and I had Justin asked me that question when they were trying to think of the right prescription for floating, and I kind of gave him the same answer I gave you, Lance, because um, I, I I really do believe very strongly that someone has to, although with support, kind of find their own answers. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Of course, of course, that support structure is very important. And I also just looked this up, but the word prescribe is also known as recommend a substance or action as something beneficial. So you can prescribe. You can prescribe. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fair enough. (laughs) But you know, then then again, though, if it were someone, um, I guess I'm speaking from a float facilitator who works at the float shop right now and answer your Mm -hmm. question, if it were maybe like my friend who is asking me personally for advice, then I might say, I might say, I, th- I think you should be floating three times a week. I do for, for, for two months and then, and then see how you feel. So I guess I might answer it differently if I weren't speaking from a position of a float center. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's interesting. It's interesting how you say if a friend was to ask you that, but mm-hmm. what's the difference, but really what is the difference from a mm-hmm. friend or a client? If, we are truly in this to help people. Sorry, I'm asking this mm-hmm. just because I'm encountering the same problem. Yeah. I don't want to tell people float three times a week to sound like a salesman, but I really right. want to help them. And I feel the more you're in the tank, the more benefits you're going to see arise from that. And mm-hmm. I just want to see what is our resistance as a whole, as an industry from saying people mm-hmm. get in there more, mm-hmm. like float mm-hmm. more. I don't know. I um, think my fear is turning them away or scaring them off. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of feeling salesy thing. Mm-hmm. You think, no. Maybe not salesy, but more just, um, oh, I don't know. To um, get benefit making from them this, run back to the their, what, so what's that? Like to get benefit from this, it's like, you got to hit the gym four times a week. It's like, well, you're going to feel good if you hit the gym twice a week or once a yeah. week, if you don't work out at all. Uh, I don't know that just, just a, yeah, I mean, thought. this is a really good, really good topic. It is a good topic. Yeah. <laughs> And I think too, when you when you receive information from someone, it's very different receiving that as a friend hearing, yes, come float three times a week than a client. Right. There's a different relationship. So mm-hmm. what they receive is a little bit yes. different than, or how they perceive it and what they receive from that conversation is a little bit different than if you were speaking to a friend. Mm-hmm. So it does need to be addressed, I think, a little differently. Yeah, I think that's yeah I totally yeah. agree with you there. Um, but as I want the best for my clients... Mm-hmm. 
I'm still trying to find what is the best to recommend for him. Like, well, is I it truly best to float once a month? Is it truly best to <laughs> right. float yeah. once a week? Like, But we could uh, all, I think we would all agree, like, especially when you're first starting out floating, float. Float. Get it. Get yeah. in that float tank. Mm-hmm. Just like you were saying, Lance, like, you're going to see some really strong benefits. And I think that's totally okay to tell clients. Like, this has been my experience. This is the experience of a lot of other clients or, like, um, you know, getting the rhythm of floating, like the more that you get in there, the more you're going to get out of it. And most people don't float for year after year after year floating three times a week. But in the beginning, you can find a, a, a lot out of that as uh, to kind of get used to it and look inward. And it seems to me like reading stories and, and seeing people's videos online, a lot of the people that are having the most yeah. success overcoming their well, whatever their intention was to overcome, it's frequency. It's getting in there, you know, a lot and getting comfortable with that space, like you mentioned, and, you know, making it like a home away from home. And right. I, I like to, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't, why. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. Um, and especially if you can point to other stories and that sort of thing and say to them, float as much as you, as much as you can. It's not necessarily prescribing a, a specific number, mm-hmm. but saying, look, here's some people who have yeah. um, who have been dealing with similar issues. This is what they've done. And being able to point them to um, to resources that aren't you, mm-hmm. um, that are uh, that, uh, yeah. that don't come from someone who's trying to sell them something. Mm-hmm. Um, and they might be more open to that. So I think saying, yeah, float, float as often as you possibly can. There's nothing wrong with floating every day if you if you want to, because a lot of people are, are afraid they're going to over do it yeah like yeah. me that's what i was yeah. like. not sure You're right, i don't know right. um can you float too much i get that question a lot like no do it go for it yeah it'll feel good but you know and that way you're not prescribing a number we don't have to come up with a, a magic number right. but um crafting those words to create um to create to get that across and let them choose the number mm-hmm. it'd be good mm-hmm. gotcha. that's that's very interesting yeah lance i i agree that is just a great discussion topic right like I think that's something that we all battle. I think a lot of us come from the point of just really just wanting to help people and the business side, it almost feels sleazy to us sometimes. And then there's just, I mean, just going further, like really what, how do I talk about this? Like what is the best way to approach somebody? Even if I don't have inhibition about it, like how, how does one talk about this or what is the, the magic bullet number to recommend? Yeah. And you know, I've had it brought up like people like, like chiropractors, you know, they say, come for the first three weeks, you know, see me three times a week. Right. And, you know, then after four weeks, see me twice a week. And it's like, they are prescribing a person to visit them X amount of times. And it's like, maybe that's a, I don't know. I think it's just, a, it's approach that I'm, I want to learn and I want to, um, yeah. I want to see how my <laughs> clients can really get the best benefit. And I don't think I'm the only one out there. So no, definitely not. Um, <laughs> totally I think I mean just right off the bat I know like we want to crowdsource information and everything but just you having that intent of wanting to do that is going to get you there as long as you stay curious and your presence is there like that's where you're going to end up is being better at that so I'm I'm happy to see that that's a question in your head because I know you'll be good at it even if it's not you're not an expert tomorrow you know like that's that's mm-hmm. the direction you'll be going um I want to change gears a little bit um but uh I'm not quite sure how to approach this. Uh, I, okay, I'll, I'll start it with what brought it up today with uh, wanting to talk about this was I was on uh, the Twitter feed for from float centers and I saw a float tank manufacturer with advertising one of their float tanks, you know, just a picture of one of their float tanks. And 
damn, was there just a super hot blonde on that float tank with some but dunk a dunk ass and no face because I think the face would be distracting from the float tank. <laughs> but man, are your eyes on that body and that ass and um, uh, this this pushes my my buttons. I think obviously working with Emily for years, it's it's really raised my awareness. But I also think it was something that was already on my radar and uh, and it's something that we've talked off the air a little bit. Uh, um, Lance and I were talking about that recently, and, and I know Amy and. Um, I'm I'm curious, Emily. I'm going to put you on on the spot here and just talk yeah. about um, advertising in general. And then if we could narrow it down to the float industry, which I would love to see this where we're supposed to be centered and and um, yet we are marketing, we're advertising, mm-hmm. and your eyeballs go to faces that have symmetry, to it, things that you find attractive. You're you you click on more often, you know, it's like the numbers are there. So how do we approach these things? And I know you're not going to have all the answers, but I am just curious about advertising in general and, and in the float industry. What are your thoughts? <laughs> sure. And I first, I think it's first important to establish that none of these images in the media and advertising cause eating disorders. Hmm. No one, a lot of different things cause eating disorders. It's, it's biology. It's our, it's trauma. It, it, it certainly can be reinforced by advertising and media and the mm. perpetuation of the thin ideal. But I think it's pretty commonly agreed upon that no one thing causes an eating disorder. Yes, I was very triggered by this dance movie as I, that I saw, but oh, I also sure, had right. some I also had some trauma going on. Eating disorders run, and the females on my mom's side of the family. So there's, however, mm. um, being surrounded by um, the thin ideal of the you know white skinny big boob person all over the place did not did not help my development of an of sense of self so I think that's just important to say right off the bat is no one saying that this is the the cause of eating disorders um that being said I think um I think we have a responsibility to do what we can to stop promoting the thin ideal because it certainly can uh, have a negative impact like like it did with me and and a lot of people I know and um and particularly with float centers where we're um, hoping to create an environment where people feel safe and feeling like they can come to heal from anything or just, or just be and exist. Um, I think it's important that we represent all different types of people. And that means race, gender, um, size, age, not, not just, not just, you know, skinniness, but that we re- represent everyone so that all different people feel included. And um, it's sort of a difficult thing for me to speak about because um, I, I don't know. Um, and that, that's, that's how I feel. Um, and I, I try and advocate for um, the community that's been, been damaged by the advertising that has perpetuated this ideal. And um, it's a difficult, it's a difficult movement. And um there's a lot of um, positive change happening with uh, companies like Aerie and ModCloth and American Apparel using like really diverse range of, of models. And um, um, I, I like to see that reflected in the float industry, too. So it's all inclusive. And I, I have seen a lot of really positive things happening, actually. Um, so I'm really, really glad I wasn't on your Twitter feed. <laughs> But, um, and I understand too, that everyone has, everyone has the right to run their own business in the way that they want. Mm. And that's, um, that's really fine. But I just think it would be, it would be really great if we made a bit of effort to be all inclusive. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's great. I, I have a lot of a lot of questions on this topic because where does a float center start? Like I know mm-hmm. to do a first our first float mm-hmm. session in a float tank, uh, you have to arrange people, you have yeah. to arrange photographer, you have to arrange lights, you have to arrange this, and mm-hmm. say you only select two or three people, how do you try and select those people? I want to target athletes. I want to talk target people who care about their health and their appearance and their well-being. A lot of these um, people that are targeted to in the float industry are these type of people that work out. They go to the gym. They have these bodies. And mm-hmm. a lot of the people that are willing to do these photo shoots are the ones mm-hmm. that are confident mm-hmm. in their self-appearance. Um, I try to really, you know, pick the average type person, but you put a good photographer, a good lighting, and, you know, someone who is X and in a bathing suit, and that really, you know, that changes everything. Totally. Um, you know, if, if you could Lorena arrange maybe 10 models and have, you know, different races, different colors, different sexes, different sizes, different this and that, I'm just... I, this, is, this is great, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just really curious on how do you pick the right person. Are we really, like skinny shaming or are we big boob blonde lady really good looking lady shaming like i see a large type of people throughout the float community in their photos but then one or two Mm -hmm. come up that are um blonde lady that works out with big boobs and it's sort of like instantly shamed upon now is is that who they're targeting do they really want those high-end athletes the are they in you know lost I don't know I don't know but it's just it's very hard learning to somebody learn as a marketing role or somebody who's trying to represent their business on a worldwide web where you have hundreds of thousands of people that could be judging your every single move mm-hmm. I I totally empathize with that <laughs> yeah and there's nothing wrong with um being a white skinny big-breasted woman like they're people too. Like that's just how their body is and they shouldn't be shamed for being that. The The point is though that that particular type has been represented repeatedly for decades over and over so much that for now we need to really focus on representing other types until it's a bit more equal than then maybe including that, that type of person in your, in your marketing again. Not to say that that's not a, it's not that that's a bad thing. It's just that it's, we need to focus on representing something else right now. Um, and it comes down to me for intention. Like it, obviously, yeah, like athletes are going to have like a really rad physique because they work out and no, so they definitely shouldn't be fish- ashamed for that. Um, I think what it comes down to is your intention in your photograph. Like in Dil- as Dylan described the photograph yeah. he saw, he yeah mentioned the emphasis on, on the boobs. Um, I'm guessing she was wearing like a triangle string bikini to like emphasize that. Probably maybe posed in some kind of provocative way. And these things like that add to like an intention in the photograph um, where it's obvious that this is to sexualize what's happening. Whereas like one of the photographs we use at the float shop is like a woman with tattoos, um, really rad shape. Um, she's got, you know, just like a black sport top on. Um, just in the way that it's um, presented. Oh, yeah. that's, that's that's something that you've you've brought up in the shop before. Is like, mm-hmm. is there like a clasp, and is it like pushing boobs together to like push yeah. it up, or does it make more sense to have like a sports bra? Because that's not what we're 
We're yeah. Not trying to give an erection here. We're trying to get you interested in floating. And, and so I guess that's the, why like, I, uh, I struggle. There's a between the two. Totally. And I guess that's why I do struggle in my... Um, I guess I would say my confidence in speaking about this issue because I don't I don't mean to like draw up a set of rules that people need to like mm. make sure they follow before going about their marketing, but more to like draw an awareness to a problem that's happening that's causing hurt to a lot of people and that by paying attention to the intention of the photo you use by, you know, trying to use more diversity in your marketing that it can have a, a large impact, but not to shame someone who does use like a skinny white model like um there are just hyphens to be and a lot of times like it's how it comes to like the resources of photos you have like there's one stock image of like this woman with like a white triangle bikini on and she's got long blonde hair and it's used everywhere because it's like just one of the stock images that are available wow. so i think what if once there's just more options out there i think we might be having more to work with but i empathize with with what you're saying lance and i don't i don't think anyone's trying to like be on the attack mode but more just to like draw awareness to kind of an issue that's happening. Well, um, let me put this out here. So I'm a big girl. And a few years ago, I was thinking about going to yoga. And every yoga person I knew and every yoga photo that I saw uh, for every yoga studio in town was a bunch of very thin, athletic, flexible women. Um, so I'm like, you know what? Maybe yoga isn't for me. I'm not going to try that. Um, then there's this one woman in town, um, Anna Guest, who is starting a yoga studio, and she is a large woman. Um, she's a plus-size woman, and she has pictures on her website of her yoga classes, and I noticed not everyone was, there was some small women, there were some large women, and I was like, oh, okay, maybe I can do this. Maybe there is a place for me. So... I was able to experience that. And there's been a few other activities that I wanted to do that until I found somebody who had a picture that looked, because, you know, it's very embarrassing. Um, I, to, to have to call and ask if there is a size limit. Um, and there's nothing that breaks my heart more than having a woman call and say, hey, I really kind of want to float. But, you know, how much do you have to weigh? Or what is it okay if I, we have a woman who's close to 500 pounds. But she had to call and ask if it was okay. And I think, oh my gosh, how many other women are hesitating or not mm -hmm. coming because there are no visual cues. Mm -hmm. Now, flip side of that, um, so it was suggested that I get in the tank on the day we had some pictures done. Well, why don't you get in the tank and we'll take some pictures and guess who wouldn't get in the tank? Mm -hmm. um, and I think back on that and I'm, I'm kind of ashamed um, because... Yeah, there, I, I think there is a need. And I think, yeah, it is It is easier. Like Lance is saying, it is easier to get models who are feeling confident and, and do have that thin ideal. But for someone who is um, just one, uh, one of the people that, that really isn't represented in a, uh, in a picture out there for floating, boy, it, it would provide some, some encouragement and some relief for people that maybe aren't are too afraid to call and ask or you know um i think i think there is a need i hope i hope that changes and you know maybe maybe we can change that but um pictures are so much more than just you know we're not judging the people in them it's an opportunity yes yes that that is exactly what i wanted to build on is that as <clears throat> excuse me as the three-year-old male 
a pretty much white guy here who owns a business, like it's less personal for me. Uh, and from a business standpoint, it's more, how do I get customers in here? And Amy describes exactly what I wanted to talk about, which is you're including more people into who will come into your business in the first place. It's simply a business opportunity. Uh, everybody knows that going to LA Fitness is for, uh, you know, it's dis- all their advertisements are going to be hard-bodied people. But in my opinion, they're also discounting people who are uncomfortable because that's only for the hard-bodied people who are mm-hmm. somehow already hard-bodied uh, who are, who are going to go in there. And so I think... Um, it opens up your opportunity. And just as you were describing, Lance, as you were describing people uh, being ath- wanting to attract athletes, people who care about their body, that has a very wide look to it of, of people who care about their bodies yeah. and they yeah. don't all just have 8% body fat. Um, and also, the float shop, we, we want athletes. We have an uh, awesome amount of runners who are floating with us and I'm, it's actually just exploding. It's really cool. But the majority of our floaters are moms and dads i mean like middle-aged people you know like that they don't have a specific this is what i am um and i want to make sure those people feel welcome at the float shop as well and we Mm -hmm. we've done a very poor job i'm so uh sick of you sorry this this comes out bad but i i don't want to keep reusing that picture of tasha that she's it's awesome it's a great photo that we have and her tattoos are awesome and it's very portland it's really cool uh but uh i'm Mm -hmm. i'm sick of having used that where we need more photos and we're working on it but um i just think as amy said it's an opportunity Um, yeah I, i was just going back so where do you start like you said you don't have very many photos why don't you have photos because you have to close down you have to be quiet you have to have models you have to have photographers in order to hit every demographic of floaters, we're going to need seniors males, seniors females. We're going to have middle-aged mothers. We're going to need middle-aged fathers. We're going to need someone who's seven foot. We're going to, you know, like it's where do you start and find that balance where really it's, I, I don't know. We've, we've done photo sessions twice and mm-hmm. it's been hard for me to wrangle up people that want to sit there for 25 minutes in a bathing suit in a float tank. And I understand we need all, all these other opportunities, but it's hard to do it. It's not like taking a photo in a yoga studio where you have 35 people there and you can pick from the large um, demographic of people that are there. Like, I bet you'd be, have I, you put it out yeah. to the public to say, Hey floaters, do you want a free float? We'll come in on a, whatever day we're closed and um, bring, bring a bathing suit or. Yeah, no, I whatever. haven't, I haven't strictly done that. No, I, I haven't. I put think it you'd be surprised. Community. Yeah. I think you'd be surprised. We, we've done that. And, and like you said earlier, Lance, it's not like we have to go out and find one of everybody and yeah, do it in right. one photo shoot. We just have to start. Well, that's, And um, that's, yeah, that's, I mean, with, with whatever you have. And, and I have actually done calls to my, to my float community and have had some amazing response. As you can see in our videos um, that we're putting out now, they're not model perfect and they are floaters. Yeah, I've, um, I'm, I'm saying a lot of this because I felt, you know, pressured not, I shouldn't say pressured by my float community, but when having to choose the models I use for my photos, 
I've had to weed out people based, oh, that person's way too muscular. Oh, that, mm-hmm. you know, that person is this because of more, not how my clients are going to react, but how the float industry will Got react it. to the photos good. I put out. And good. I, I, I wouldn't <laughs> you should. say it is good. I, I think it is. it is good. No, I think it's definitely good. I wouldn't good. say that is good. No. Because it, it no, means I that don't... you do have to think about those things. And I, I think it's good. Like, it's always the other direction. No. Nobody's no. thinking about it. They're going no. with the easy one. And this means, okay, like, how am I actually representing It's the complete this? opposite of what you're trying to portray. Instead of, you don't want this type of person that is like this, so don't pick these people. Pick person that I think more fits this criteria. Well, that you or me? What are you saying when you the, say you? whatever this float community that I feel is judging? But, these but you're selecting a model, photos. so it, it's not like it's just. Uh, I mean, there is. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, you are choosing something very specific for this. So yeah, there is conscious thinking going on about this particular choice. It's not like. You, you fell down and, and you picked up a rock and that's the one that you're, is going to be your model. You know, like you are, yeah, you go through, okay, who is our demographic? Who are we going to try to attract? Who is, okay, um, and yeah, this goes through, through my mind. Anorexia is a, is a big deal and we are showing people in bikinis and over-sexualization is a really big deal. So uh, how am I going to promote that as a conscious person running a business? How am I going to do my marketing? Um, those are things that I think absolutely but, should be on uh, your mind. Like, and you should, should somebody, feel pressure. So, if somebody with anorexia is wanting to float, are they going to be turned away because someone who is extremely skinny is in a bathing suit in a float tank? Maybe, but I think more it's it's not so much that they'll be. It's not they're going to be like, well, this is this is not a healthy place. I mean, maybe if they're in a really good spot with their recovery, they might be like, wait, this is triggering. I need to turn around. But most likely, no. It's more like this this big picture of um, when we only use one type of, of model everywhere, it creates this idea that that's the only type of person that is allowed to exist. And it's just not, it's not healthy. And um, so there's a responsibility there to create their more representation of everyone. So everyone feels like they, they have a place and that they belong and that they're worthy. And, but, but who knows, they, they might be turned away right away. But I, I, I hope Lance that you, I, I hate that you do feel like you might be attacked for the model that you use because that really wasn't my intention with bringing the issue forward because yeah. I think no matter what model you choose, even if it is the, the thin white big breasted one, if you in the intention of your photo have the, what you're trying to convey about the flow, I think that will mm-hmm. come across depending on what you put her in, how you angle the camera what's the focus of the yeah. photo? I think that is way more important than, than mm-hmm. stressing about yeah. representing everyone. No. I think, I, th- I think I know point. exactly what you mean. I've yeah. never been like targeted. I believe my photos are very like neutral, yeah, but yeah. it's just, it's that self questioning, that judging that goes on when I'm like, Oh, should I pick this person or this person? Oh, How yeah. should we do this photo? Like I, our first photos, I specifically took, picked a girl who was short she was really short. Yeah. She's a friend of ours. She was really going, wanted to go in there because I wanted to portray our tanks look bigger. So totally. they're more welcoming <laughs> instead of picking someone who's seven foot and they're like squished <laughs> in there. Right. Yeah. But I felt like wanting to pick someone who was smaller, like petite for that reason was, you know, it's not using, I feel like some of these photos use sex to sell the float. Yeah, tank. absolutely. Other use physique, size, color, mod, like there's other reasons why it's not always sex. And we like our industry is very key because not everyone has to, you know, 
photograph people in this area, like in water, half exposed. Like I can't, (laughs) it's hard to run a promoted post on Facebook with somebody in the float tank because they reject it because of nudity in the first place. Like if someone has a shirt off that they show shoulders, if they show any of that, no, you, which is insane to me, by the way, I'm just slight tangent here. I was on Facebook today and (laughs) undies or undie me or something like that plays a video where a girl's nipples are through a wet t-shirt like, how the hell did that make it through Facebook ads? But right yeah. there on Facebook, yet yeah, we have somebody in a float tank and it gets flagged. In drives me insane. Drives me yeah. insane. I, Sorry. Yeah, I, I know I th- I'm digressing. I think basically what I got out of my little rant that I don't know really came from, but is <laughs> there's a difference between using sex to sell a float tank or using sexual components to sell a float tank and, um, you know, using a selected... I don't know. I don't know how I, I'm trying I think, to say no, I, I know. I think you and Emily are saying the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Like it, but I just feel as like I'm a lost, I'm a lost person, a lost business owner trying to figure <laughs> out how to make this work in a world that is rapidly changing. And I'm in like conservative mm-hmm. Alberta. We're pretty damn redneck here. I, you know, Rachel and I went out, my girlfriend and I went out on the weekend and we were reading some of the like stickers on the back of these trucks and we couldn't believe we still live around these people. They were very crude and very rude. So I live in a mindset where that's what people want. That's what they thrive. There's billboards with bikinis and things like that. And then, you know, I have to think of this, this entire community. It's a lot different minded than the, the, the demographic, the area I'm in. And it's hard to start a business, learn how to do this, learn how to market and stay up with current. Uh, I don't know guys. Yeah. I don't know what I, I was you really d- trying You have to, to reach the demo that, that you need to reach. I'm, I'm sure that's a thing. The The what? other part of me says like, I, you're, you're like, ah, uh, sorry. I, this is, this is a little bit weird here, but, and, and this isn't exactly my belief system, but, um, white dudes creating media has happened for a very long time. Like uh, white men have been in charge and we haven't consciously thought about it a whole lot other than boobs on screen, get, get views and now clicks. Mm -hmm. And um, so sorry that now you have to think consciously about this or feel pressured to do something a different way. Mm -hmm. Now I hopefully would, I would want it to not be like, I feel like a gun is at my head to, to do something, but more so like I would, I would hope and I'm, hope this is also what what emily's saying is that you're conscious of it is that you're yeah yeah you know i I, i'm not speaking just for myself like i'm really confident in the photos i've put out and the approach Mm -hmm. i've taken like i don't feel like i could offend i probably could but i don't feel like i'm offending anyone Mm -hmm. but i know there are other people out there who are worried about this exact same Mm -hmm. problem and i think that's good i think that's that's why there's a lot of questions it's it's not just for me but it's to you know, a lot of people, when they're listening to this podcast, all, or one of us will bring up a question and it raises 15 others in sure, their mind. Sure. And it's, it's to get a lot of these people thinking too. Like I said, my, yeah, my yeah, stuff, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm confident in my work, but I just want to make sure all these other people may have an easier time growing or learning how to mm-hmm. grab the reins of this running a business and marketing people in water thing. <laughs> Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I, I would just hope people think about their demo. And I, I love what Amy shared of like, I, mm-hmm. I think it's smarter to bring in more people. Agreed. Uh, 100%. Like, mm-hmm. Agreed. With, with diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anywho. <laughs> I, I think we're all on the same page here. We all want the same thing, and we all yeah. want the industry to grow in the same way, but um, it's, a, 
it's a big spread of people, you know. Yep. There are a lot of people that think differently and take differently yep, yep, approaches. Yep. And a lot of people that aren't even cognitive that some of these things may be mildly offensive to right. a large per- per majority of people. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think um, I think the fortunate thing about it is it's not something a lot of times that, um, you know, the perception of the thin ideal that is offensive on the forefront. It's more like, at least in my experience, over time sets in this belief that that's that's the way you have to be and to the point where someone can develop disease, you know, diseases that end up killing themselves. And that's, that's where, that's where my perspective comes from. Um, big part of, of my recovery was kind of s- surrounding myself by people that, um, were not that, um, if you guys know Sandra, she's a very, um, uh, you know, she's a curvy woman and, um, that was a really positive role model for me to be around. So there, there were certain TV shows I couldn't watch. There were certain movies I couldn't watch. So almost like cutting off this, this, um, invasion of information that I wasn't good enough. And, um, so unless someone is in this mindset where I was of like actively doing that, then these images can be doing harm if they are not, you know, like mm-hmm. I said, you know, actively blocking themselves from it. Mm-hmm. That's my story. Love it. <laughs> so, um, for maybe people that are using sex per se as their yeah. approach to their marketing, should something be said about this? Should they, should someone be reaching out to mm-hmm. them? Do they publicly reach out? Do you privately reach out and say, Hey, that's not a great approach. How do we help maybe better these, th- these issues as we mm-hmm. see them arise? <laughs> well, I think the discussion we've had for the last 20 minutes can't hurt, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, yeah. Like in general, like what, what do you do? Um, Emily, do you have an idea? Um, like, are you talking about in- within the industry, Lance? Like, doesn't matter. Does it? Okay. Doesn't matter if you see it anywhere. If you see it at your local family swimming pool, is ever you know <laughs> has the perfect da da da. Absolutely, or it's yeah. The float center from you know other side of the country. Yeah, there are there are campaigns out there reaching out to things like like everything from like clothing companies to tanning salons, like trying to create like active change on this issue in the world, and it's working. It's working a lot. Like um, American Eagle, um, which owns like Airy now, uses different. Um, sized uh, women's not photoshopped in their in their ads mm. and that all came from a campaign from the National Eating Disorder Association or actually I think Ari teamed up with them anyway don't quote me on that but um, mm. so yeah there are there are campaigns out there when you let companies know um, I think your story and what you believe and I think I think it can I think it can create change and that's what I believe that's what I believe in well, I don't know if we're going to go out on a better note than that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there was more that we wanted to cover. My goodness, Emily, we'll have to have you back on. Oh, um, and uh, also, it was uh, you work at the float shop. I wanted to, to talk about that a little bit, too. So mm-hmm. we'll just have to tease that for next time you're on. Um, thank you so much for being such an, ha, part of the pun, such an open book uh, with us here. I, <laughs> I really appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of book, go to emilykatenorin.com. Uh, oh, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Thinkable. <laughs> oh, yeah. Actually, Emily, That's... can you can you say that again? Yeah. So my website is my name, emilykatenorin.com. You can uh, find a link there to buy my book. It's right on Amazon. So if you have that Amazon Prime, you can get the free shipping. It's like so easy. And they can also read the book right there, yes? You can also, yeah, yeah. So uh, 
if you know someone in your float center who would like to read it, you could just give them my website and they can go right there and, and read it. Doesn't get any better or easier than that. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, and Lance, what were you saying? I'm sorry. I cut you off there. Oh, I was just laughing at your dad joke. Ah, uh, fantastic. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's, it's I got, coming quick. I got six joke, more weeks. jokes are coming before the children. But. <laughs> they've, they've been powering up. I've noticed that. Yeah. Well, I should say Sandra's noticed it. Poor girl. Uh, Emily, I am uh, thankful for you being here. I'm so interested in what your show notes are going to look like. I don't know how you could write about an episode that you're in. I don't envy you on that one, but I look forward to it. Cool. Let's see here. We got the roundtable conference coming up October 15th. Uh, let's see here. What else? Um, I want to thank our sponsors, Float Away and Float Helm. And beyond that, remember, there's an infinite amount to find in the presence of nothing. So spend some time there. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. You're listening to Art of the Float.